campaign setting just by using a small list 30 it's supposed to be one every day but i ain't got the patience for that nor the time and nor the energy honestly i'm i'm surprised i'm i'm bathed but that's just extra seasoning baby um so for this episode of the podcast though episode five we're gonna keep up with what we were doing before and we've got a few questions to go for but as i'm pulling up these questions ryan how you doing me? No, the other Ryan. Okay. I'm good, Dan. <laughs> so, other Ryan, how are you? Is this going to be like when we take over? No, because that would probably ruin the mic. If I screamed that loud, I'd probably break the mic. Honestly, I feel like I just did a time loop thing. I just delete. I've tried to do the scream thing, and for everybody out there who can't hear what I just did, I pretty much broke the monitor by trying to by trying to scream like I always do, like Ryan was saying. But in any case, Ryan, how are you doing? You know, hanging in there. Just uh, excited to be here. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the show. In your house. So anyway, yeah. uh, we, I pulled up the questions. We've got. I'm gonna try to do. I'm gonna try to pull up three questions, but I think that they're all really complicated and big questions. But I think we can make them kind of succinct if we keep to it. We talked a little bit before we recorded this one, so I think we got a, a bit more of a, a rain to pull on this. So the first question is, what is the cosmology of your world and the other planes? Which faction in your world is feared and reviled? And the third question is, what opposes evil and injustice in your world? So, naturally, the first two questions are inter, they're kind of interlinked, as we've described it. But answering the question, what is the cosmology of your world and the other planes? Um, Ryan, do you have much of any opinion about how cosmology it functions in most campaign settings. Do you have like a sweet spot you feel about it? Do you like planar jumping and like campaigns that are all about dimensional portals and weird planes and stuff? I definitely think they can have a really fun and unique flavor, but I also feel like when you start getting into that, you are either going to be pulling away from each plane too quickly if you want to still keep it grounded on the material plane. Or you're going to be kind of um, just end up focusing mostly on jump plane jumping. And it's going to be less about what's happening on the material plane and more about just going through all the different planes and seeing everything there is. Yeah. You know, so you sort of have to have like a roadmap and very sort of like 
well thought out intentions for every plane and what you kind of want to do there. Yeah, and I remember my cousin, uh, he and I were talking at a wedding one time about D&D because we have that going for us. Um, but we were talking about how he was starting a campaign where the party members are basically part of like a uh, interdimensional like mercenary syndicate mm-hmm. and the idea is that every quest they go on the whole monster a week thingy they uh, basically get to go to a different dimension go fight a different monster and then go back home and for, I, I mean honestly I know there's probably a bajillion places that do that there's probably a bajillion campaigns that do it and probably a bajillion I don't know YouTube series or podcasts or whatever that make that the whole thing for them and frankly I just I don't I don't like it I don't know something about that and it speaks to what you were just saying a second ago about how you lose that grounded feeling unless that's what it's all about right and I just I feel like that's my problem is I would much rather have a party feel grounded in one major location than have them jump around to 80 different locations because I feel like you never get a true vibe for where you are unless every location is like super different and it's super memorable because of how different they are but like that that means you're going to like the spaghetti dimension the frozen dimension the dimension where everything's on fire like it has to be that far flung to have it all be memorable you know what i mean and i also feel like um the time when you really should be doing a lot of dimension hopping at least in like fifth edition D in my mind is in like the mid-tier level ranges between like probably i would say earliest six level and then you really shouldn't be planar hopping all that often past four maybe 14th level because at that point you should be winding those last six levels into like whatever's happening on the material plane that's sort of the conclusion for the campaign you're running so i i feel like you kind of lose a middle portion of your campaign where you could spend it getting like opening up the world more at that those levels like the actual material plane um and the cool stuff that you can do at those levels in the game because earlier than that you were kind of small nobodies and then after that you're going to be heroes and legends and if you spend that middle time jumping around from plane to plane it's like yeah i guess like you backpacked europe for a year in college but it's just like you kind of missed out on everything that was happening at home right and so, to, to sort of backpack off what you were saying with all that, I'm actually going to raise you one and say, the longest campaign I've ever run, and I actually had a game with those guys, a uh, marathon of games, over the uh, one weekend in December, where we all got together, but it's a 3.5 campaign, but the party, I think they were about 10th level, up until like, I think they had characters from like 11th through 9th level, that whole area of range yep. with like mercenaries and stuff in the party. They got shoved through a portal and basically got sent to an artificial dimension that was owned by a genie who was the richest being in all of history and all of existence, who basically and literally bought their, like, their godhood and just became the god of their own dimension. And so they did a bunch of jobs, but the reason why I'm backpacking off what you're saying is that it was their trip abroad, but they did not want to be there. So the whole cool part about it was is that they wanted nothing more than to hurry up and get home. So it was kind of neat that they were able to do that, but the only reason why it was neat was because the plane functioned as being so different from home that it made them homesick. Mm-hmm. But like that was the whole point, is that it's so different from the plane that they're on that they, like traveling back, 
was important to them. I wasn't just like making them go to a different plane because it was cool for an hour or cool for a session or something like that. It was an entire massive leg of a story arc where terrible things were happening at home and they missed out on their opportunity to help out. You know what I mean? Right. So I think for our campaign setting, just by the nature of how the dragons came through the dimensional gate, I think a lot of people would be very hesitant to allow anybody to dimension hop. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Let people get out of there. And I think that based on the whole biggest secret with the whole time loop and the whole past thing, I think it would be really cool if dimension hopping like did not work or was like so unbelievably unpredictable that like no matter where you were trying to go, it would just never work as you had intentioned or as you planned. And so I like the idea that the cosmology is that people are basically like able to see through like the uh, one-way mirror where they can see like what's going on in the material realm and they can come through but people cannot leave the material realm like they can't leave this plane of existence to get out of here right. but like devils and demons can come in if welcomed elementals have a way of coming in you know what i mean but people just cannot escape and that brings us on to the next question which is which faction in your world is is feared and reviled and we were discussing this for quite a bit beforehand because this is a really difficult question because there's so much going on. But I think that what we've sort of agreed on is that the faction in the world that would be feared and reviled would be this group of people who are aware of the secret. And they're totally aware that the dimension that they're in, the campaign setting, is in a bit of a time loop. That there is a point in time where the end of times occurs and everything just resets back to a certain point where nobody notices it, nobody has like amnesia or anything like that. Instead, it just redoes itself. Somehow, somebody let these people into the like the little secret, and so they start this whole mega like cult, I guess you'd say, of like powerful wizards and and people who are trying their damnedest to break the the veil that keeps them trapped in this dimension. And I like the idea because when they're under the assumption that if they die, they just go back to start with no major repercussions, there's nothing holding them back from just, I don't know, doing the worst of things and just trying any new idea, letting any demon through who can pr uh, promise them a trip to a different timeline or letting in all the devils and all the aberrations, like anything and anybody that can help them out in their situation. Um, Ryan, did you have anything you want to add to this? Yeah, I would say like these, uh, this group of like, uh, this cult would kind of be like in any of those Groundhog Day-esque movies where there it's that point in their looping montage where like they sort of like have half accepted what's going on and also just take that time to totally fuck with everybody around them and also just sort of do whatever they want because they now realize it's either going to work and break the loop or it's totally meaningless so it doesn't matter anyway and they can just yeah they're like, they're like we'll, we'll make deals with every devil from every like every realm think what we'll, that does though yeah. like that's that is so like creepy for an evil villain organization yeah. to know that there's a reset button with no repercussions of hitting the button they're just like eh, yeah so it. from any person who doesn't know the secret looking at these people they are the most morally reprehensible people on the planet because they literally have no apparent guiding compass to what they do and 
seemingly random acts of violence spew forth from them. They do terrible things. They conduct awful experiments. They'll try literally anything. And that that's incredibly dangerous when you have high-level casters just sort of laissez-faire doing whatever the fuck they please. I do think there's an important point to be brought up here, and that's the fact that like when they die, they don't remember anything. You know what I mean? They right. come back and they're basically like it's a determinist universe where the same thing is going to continue to happen because nothing different ever comes into like actually affect it. And you and I were talking also about the idea that like the person who gave up the secret may have been a mind flare at one point who like maybe they have some I, I think a Futurama, obviously the last episode in the series where there's the little time proof like uh igloo that they're in for lack of a better word where time change does not affect them inside of there and as long as they're within there time skips don't affect them and i like the idea that maybe the mind flares are in something like that and they've caught on that there's a time loop so they will continue to know different things but the world outside of them will never stop being in this loop and for that reason they're sort of trapped in this location with no ability to get out but maybe one of them did at one point before the loop or, I don't know, that's kind of a weird deterministic thing, right? Because then, right. at what point would one of them have gotten out and been able to tell somebody about it? I guess it would have to be before the battle with the with the gods, right? But that's some wicked foresight for it to know that the time loop would come before the time loop actually began. Right, I mean... I oh man, this podcast just took on a really very different... This is what happens. Well, actually, that's a beautiful travel. part of the mystery. What if the elder brain that these these mind flayers deal with knows something that even, like, the gods themselves would not have known? Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some otherworldly presence that informs the elder brain. The elder brain is like, oh, no, we <laughs> have been here for much too long. Like, how too long? Like, literally two seconds too long. We should have gotten out of here. Like, Why? There's a time loop. Yeah. Like, wait, what? It's like, yep, we are officially trapped in a time loop. And they're like, how do you know that? And it's like, don't question me. I'm a brain in a jar. But, yeah. So, I don't know. That's very tricky. But I think if we can just ignore all the difficult and necessary details and just get back to the fact that it's a fantasy game, yep. I do think that they make for a cool evil organization. But I like that at the end of the day, their goal is to break the loop. Right. And there could have at one point in time been good intentions. And it's cool to think that this evil organization throughout history will forever be stuck in this whole good group with benevolent means turns evil over time because they recognize the, like, nihilistic and, like, useless attitude of, like, nothing's going to change, we're trapped here, fuck it. You know what I mean? It's like, stuff stopped being forbidden so long ago. And that's the thing, is that, like, they, they have to live that out through an eternity of replays where it's, like, good people start doing bad things. And I like that idea. You know, the fact that it's almost, and especially when you think about the deterministic attitude that, like, they will forever be trapped in that loop of morality, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And the fact that, like, it's not even them doing it at that point, but it is, I don't know, it's weird. But, um, hmm, I do, I do like that, especially because the dragons themselves wouldn't even know. Like, no magical being in this world would ever have any idea other than the mind flayers. And they're the only ones who could do anything about it. And they probably want this to stop, too, because if they ever leave their little bubble dome, they'll be subject to the time loop, too. And for that reason, they'll never be able to get out either. And they just want to go back to their own dimension. So they're just like, this is a big uh uh-oh, and we're waiting for the one group who can come by. That Oh, but that's weird, because then think about it. Oh, 
wait, maybe they just search every timeline for the one group that actually can help break it. And for that reason, they've been searching through the eons for the one group that can do it. Ah, oh, that's neat. And yep. The idea that they've known parties before who are better, more capable, but they're just at this point number crunching, and they're like, "All right, uh, subject X three two nine five. Yeah, they they and start, company. They they uh, just started brute forcing the problem almost, <laughs> like trying to crack the password, and they they you had all the fancy software and the quantum computer, and it just. They're like, never mind, we'll just brew force it. Yeah, like zero 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 one. One. <laughs> zero 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 two. <laughs> but I like that idea. Uh, it turns out it was zero 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 zero, but they started at one for some reason. So here's my next question. Which faction in your world is feared and reviled? It's actually their question, not my question. It's the next question. A good question. A fair question. Well, if we want to keep up with everything that came before and the idea that, like, maybe the Mind Flayers have a lot more to do with this, or we'll just say the aberrations. We'll say that, like, the otherworldly beings, if they have a lot to do with this, do you think we should maybe make them behind the the group that opposes evil and injustice? Almost as if the Mind Flayers don't care about the morality of the material plane. They just want to get the heck out of here. So they're like, okay, we got to back one army, so let's pick this one and just beef them up and hope that they can fix the problem. You know what I mean? Right. I or think, we can just have it be a natural part of the universe that these people happen to be the good guys and the Mind Flayers recognize they they don't have the ability to stop it. In every foreseeable timeline, they've never been able to stop the issue of the time loop. Therefore, they're not a problem. You know what I mean? Right. I kind of like the idea that these guys would just be benevolent and they'd have nothing to do with the Mind Flayers at all. You know what I mean? Just give more autonomy to the world itself rather than it feeling like a science experiment gone wrong and just, like, a record skipping. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think you kind of want to keep the Mind Flayers almost, like, hands-off for as long as you can while dropping subtle hints that there's something working in the background. But, yeah, I think that would be a little bit too direct. Well, my idea that I had originally, and I don't know if maybe it's going to feel like less of a good idea or more of a good idea when I'm finished talking about it, but I like the idea that the good group in the world, the ones who oppose evil and injustice, are this, like, group of knights who served metallic dragons during, like, the first war when the dragons first came here, and metallic and chromatic dragons were fighting, and people saw metallic dragons as, like, a beacon of hope. They viewed these guys as, like, living gods who were, like, flesh and bone, and they actually, like, came to them from a different dimension. And at first, they believed in them as, like, beacons of good who could change the way of living for them. They brought them magic and healing that they had never seen, and for that reason, they dedicated, like, their lives to them and made them, like, god kings. And maybe the dragons were, like, cool about it, they were good guys about it, they were benevolent, tipped their waitresses and all that fun stuff, but maybe what ends up happening is the dragons recognize that, like, there's no point to it. They'll always just fight forever and there'll never be a pause between it because evil dragons and good dragons are equally matched. Mm -hmm. So maybe the good dragons sort of give up hope and kind of quit on it a little bit. But I like the idea that the faction that oppose evil and injustice are, like, the people who never gave up hope on the idea that good is an existent physical thing that you can like you can touch like it's a reality right that good is not subjective it's not a state of mind it's not like an era in history like good is always good 
and people should strive to touch good, to be good, to like live the good, right? Mm-hmm. And I like the idea that they're like a group of paladins who, I don't know, submit themselves to like a belief system that not a lot of people believe. It's like hyper optimists who just believe that there's like a physical good to achieve, like this like militaristic style of enlightenment. You know what I mean? And I like the idea that they sort of aren't approved by most people because they're almost like heretical for like abandoning the gods themselves and saying that like the gods aren't where the true good is and like maybe the true good comes from somewhere deeper than that you know what i mean and that the gods are all at one point mortals themselves so the goodness must exist before gods so don't rely on the gods to give you that power like the gods can be good but they're not the good and maybe a lot of people see that as like sacrilegious and heretical you know what i mean Mm -hmm. to say that like the driving force of all gods actually exists within people and that the gods have no power beyond, like, what we as living mortals give them. And for that reason, they're like, we, this time right here is the precious time. Being a god is when you've hit the high score. You know what I mean? They're like, for that reason, we don't revere the gods. We have the gods bless us so that we can go do good. Right. You know what I mean? It almost kind of reminds me of Conan a little bit. Conan the Barbarian, where he gives that classic quote where he uh, talks to Krom, the uh, barbarian god, where he's just like... Bless me this day, and if you don't, fuck it, to hell with you. He's like, who needs you anyway? And I just, I love that stance on his god, where, like, paladins would be like, in your name, and if you fail, it probably wasn't your fault. I'm not pointing holy fingers. But meanwhile, Conan the Barbarian's like, help me, and that'd be cool, and if you don't, I never liked you anyway. (laughs) And so I kind of like the idea that the paladins would be like this, or this faction of good would be just like this, where they would... I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, have that mentality of, like, if the gods want to help us, that's fine. But gods are not. We do the good for the sake of the good. You know what I mean? Right. And that's why they'll do, like... I don't know. It's cool to think also that, like, if one king who's quote-unquote good has, like, a bad track record or, like, makes a bad militaristic move or something like that, like, the paladins answer their own credo and their own laws. So if at one point they're all homies, but then the king, like, imposes some tax that's not great the paladins could be marching up to his door to, like, you know what I mean, have swords afoot, and they're like, listen, do good or else. Which almost brings up this really cool idea of, like, them being too good and not being realistic. And the idea that, like, the idea that they oppose injustice and evil to the point that they become the injustice and evil. The idea that, like, you know what I mean, poor guy steals bread to feed a starving family. (laughs) Like, they show up and they're like, heathen! You know what I mean? Stop right there, criminal scum. They become the lawful stupid. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Like Robocop sort of mentality. <laughs> boat. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot to play with there. I mean, um... That is the nicest way of saying you don't like that idea I've ever heard. No, it was just... No, was, no, 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 it's was okay. something I wanted to add on, and then you distracted me with Robocop paladins. And I was like, <laughs> well, that's... It's that's a it. worthy distraction. <laughs> that's that's that for me. There goes everything I was thinking. Here's the idea for the next podcast. Yeah. If Robocop was a paladin. But no. Um the idea of them being like above the law or the idea of them Uh no, it was it'd almost be like I think uh one of the th- I yeah, it's it's almost thematically, I think is what I was thinking of, of like the kind of world we're building here where um, things just keep getting pushed to their breaking point 
yeah. in a sense, and then what happens there, like, the dragons got pushed to the breaking point, and the chromatic ones just realized the hopelessness of, hopelessness of it the and metallic. left. Uh, yeah, the metallic, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, and the people they left behind went in the opposite route, and then just tried... Yeah. So hard for became ideal, obsessed with the idea that there is something to yeah that they lost sight of what originally good could do right and then you have <laughs> the, the wizards who were trying to break out of a time loop and just got so disenfranchised with their powerlessness that they will now do anything like nothing is off the table any longer for them either it's it's almost. Being trapped in this cycle at the end of a great era, era, I think you see the kind of logical conclusion to a lot of ideologies and sort of what ooh, happens. That's a good, ooh, that was a sexy line right there. Yeah. I want to ASMR that into the mic a little ooh, bit. And what you see is the logical conclusion of a lot of ideologies. I don't think that even picked up on the mic. It's, but, you know, it's it, worth was, it. it was for you. It was for you. <laughs> I but appreciate that. I, so but no, that's, that, sort of, that's a great point. That's though. kind of what I was ruminating on on your whole thing with the Paladin, or that good order, is that, like, it's, like, even the Mind Flayers, they, Mind Flayers need other species to survive. So, in this scenario... Ooh, that's they, so sexy, too, because even thinking about the fact that Mind Flayers have all the ability to stop this, yeah. but if they just tread outside the door, they're so fragile, they'll lose all ability to do anything right. at all. And yeah, I think that's kind of what it is. It's everything that could help them is on the outside looking in and too afraid to go in. It's like and, a Saw movie, man. And then that <laughs> everyone who's on the inside is getting just like losing sight or go, not veering off the path but following the path so rigidly that they just go straight off a fucking cliff like you know and like I think that can just really build an interesting campaign world where all of your fucking heroes have become mercenaries who work for fucking Walmart and all <laughs> all of the fucking um, wizards or all the most powerful wizards are off doing the kookiest of experiments with no regard for what happens because of it. You have like paladins burning down poor villages. Just because one of them had a bad idea. Yeah, and they wouldn't <laughs> give up the person who did it because that's right. their community. It's, it's And like everyone at the end of the day is justified because they believe they are but it it's and like yeah and then all these other greater beings and deities and the mind players every, everyone else looking on the outside and just watching this happen over and over again and be like wow that's a fucking shit show especially because they're, like, they're like so what do we do at this point they're like do we just throw it out like yeah did, did we fail is this the end especially the idea oh man this just keeps getting deeper and deeper but the idea that Mortal gods is the reason why we're here. The fallible have created a yes. world with fallacy. That's neat. Yeah, and it's it's literally crumbling apart at the seams almost. Damn. Like on a on just yeah, on an idealistic level. Damn. And that's yeah, that's fucking This is some echo chamber stuff. Hilariously right horrifying. <laughs> that is that's some dark shit. It does make me think that I think there might be an actual name for the campaign setting now, and that would be like the endless age of heroes. 
You know what right. I mean? Something that like harps to the idea that the dimension ever. Well, hold on. If you were selling this 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 uh, campaign setting to somebody and you were trying to like actually sell this as a product, would you tell people that that's the plot that like the age never ends because things time loop, or would that be a thing that's like deep cut stuff? Because, like, when you think about it, Dark Sun's always the example I give. I don't know why. I've never played a Dark Sun game in my <laughs> fucking life. But, like, I think about it, like, the idea that there's, like, the wizard kings, who, I mean, sorcerer kings, who have, like, all magical power and pretty much control that. Like, that's hugely important to the world. Right. And I think there's some lore somewhere in there that suggests that's why the world is this desert planet that gods don't bother with anymore, is because of those guys. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when people hear about Dark Sun, people describe it as basically being, like, Conan the Barbarian. And there's just, like, Conan world with no magic right. and, like, no steel, right? So I'm thinking if we were to describe this campaign setting and, like, try to sell it to somebody, we'd probably say, like, gritty sword and sorcery world that's, like, low magic-ish, but it's like a world where, like, things are rough, nothing, it, things are bleak, you know what I mean? Like, things don't look good for anybody. Right. All the places where people at one point could turn to and say, that's the bad guys, that's the good guys, and this is where I live. Instead, everything's just this misty gray heap of, like, I don't know who I could put my back against Yeah, and feel safe. Every moral institution is quickly just spiraling into just, not even chaotic, like, just a... a Bizarre direction, like mirrored version of itself. Like the, it, just, <laughs> the like, it went so hard it hit like the reciprocal and well, just what's, fucking what's, inverted. But what's hilarious is to think that the one group who really, I, I mean, I know you mentioned it before, but like I think the one group who never really actually changed are the true to form adventurers. And the people who just adventure for the sake of, like, making some coin and doing a job that needs to be done, they're the only ones who haven't changed. You have your outliers, who are, like, you know, the bandits and brigands, and then you have the nobility who don't actually do anything at all. But, like, that sweet spot where the players will be, right. of, like, we do jobs, we help villages, we slay dragons because that's what we do, whether or not I make money or not, whether I do it because I'm evil or good, like, that is the one element that is not mirrored against itself because it's the only one that, like in its own absolute form, will never become a perverse, like, version right. to do itself. Which is just... I feel like I must be baked or something right now and not know it, but, like, that's deep as shit, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's good stuff. But, alright, well, I mean, I'm gonna end on a high note and say that. So, again, um, you know, this is the Young Grognarge signing off. Uh, DMs, appreciate your players. Players, appreciate your DMs. Uh, Ryan, you got anything you want to plug? I do want to plug, um... The College Humor sh- Show, or the Dropout Show, Dimension 20, with uh, Brendan Lee Mulligan as the Dungeon Master. Their new side quest is coming out tomorrow, as of the day of this, which is Tiny Heist with the uh, McElroy brothers uh, and father, their whole clan, along with uh, Lily Dew and Jessica Ross, who are all great, talented people. I also... I'm shouting them out specifically because we all found out today that uh, College Humor's parent company, IAC, has laid off the majority of their staff, and a lot of them are out of jobs right now, so supporting them any way you can, watching their stuff on YouTube, even if it's not to Dimension 20 stuff, but they do have a lot of great D20 content, they have Dimension 20 Live, they have the first season of Dimension 20, Fantasy High, they have Unsleeping City, they have... Uh, the first side quest, Bloodkeep, that had a bunch of big people, Matt Mercer, mm-hmm. all those kind of, all that. So, like, yeah, just 
give them, give them some of your time, give them some of your views. They could use it. Show support any way you can. So, uh, and you know what? I think we should start the next episode with you giving that same sort of plug. It, it definitely does. We've talked about this actual topic. We've talked yes. about these guys on a different episode, but I think we should definitely give another plug to those guys in the beginning of the next episode. Sure. So, I mean, I know we don't have the greatest listenership, a bunch of vagrants out there, but um, I, I do think that that deserves a bit of a highlight because that, that's super important to the community, you know, yeah. for something like this to happen and to say that it's not a profitable area for... Anyway, but... Okay, so I guess we just really dragged the good note to us. <laughs> Sombrel, it wouldn't be the young Grognard. Yeah, you can count on old Ragnar. <laughs> well, all right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.